Hi, welcome to Offscript. I'm Zach Lewis. And I'm Dr. Draper. Today on the show, we're taking a look at 3,000 Years of Longing, Mad Max Fury Road director George Miller's follow-up to the 2015 uh, uh, blockbuster. Uh, we're also going to take a look at Samaritan, little-known Amazon Prime feature starring Sylvester Stallone. Uh, Rocky Balboa himself is a superhero gone rogue. Uh, we're going to talk about a trailer that's coming out this week. Really, really just one trailer. Kind of a slow week at the movies. Uh, starting with uh, some slow news. Uh, Warner Brothers is holding Batgirl screenings in the back lot this week for cast and crew. Uh, the film was canceled uh, just a few weeks ago for what appears to be a tax write-off amongst the HBO Max Discovery merger. And now, uh, I guess to let the people who worked on it get one more taste before it's gone, uh, they're at least showing people what, what they've got <laughs> of the film. Uh, Andy, what do you know about this? Yeah, th these are being called funeral screenings. And they're showing the movie for, like you said, people who worked on them, uh, cast, crew, the directors. Uh, very few people get to see it. Very sneaky. It's on the Warner Brothers lot. It's not, you know, they're not taking those reels, those hard drives anywhere uh, except on Warner Brothers property. So at least someone will get to see it. And uh, then I assume it'll go into, into a vault uh, somewhere and uh, we'll never see the light of day, possibly. Yeah, I, I can't tell you what state the film's in. Uh, I remember hearing at some point that it was not actually ready to show to the public. Like, it definitely still needed some work. Um, but, you know, I, I, guess, I guess I'm glad people are seeing it. If anything, I feel like if this movie ever does come out, if we ever get a Snyder cut of Batgirl uh, in some fashion, this will have been, like, the greatest marketing ploy ever because so many more people would would be interested in this movie now than would have had it just quietly come out on the service like I think it was supposed to uh, before the merger, which is, you know, funny. Funny how that works. Mm-hmm. Uh, our next, yeah. go ahead. You know? good, yeah, good for them. It's a short story, but it, it's nice that at least someone is getting to see it. That's true. Uh, speaking of seeing things, uh, this coming up soon, you can find out how to get $3 movie tickets right here in off script. Apparently, anywhere, uh, according to National Cinema Day, the, the holiday that folks are going to be celebrating all over the country, uh, when mega circuits like AMC, Regal, and Cinemark will be offering tickets for just $3. Uh, is this the thing they've done before? Andy? I guess they have, and I just haven't no. This paid is attention. this is actually this is actually brand new. Uh, this the Labor Day weekend is now going to be uh, National Cinema Day, uh, which will be this Friday, and they're offering, like Zach said, three dollar tickets. This is the the very first year they're doing it, and there's a, a lot kind of going on here. There's a new nonprofit uh, aimed at building uh, the theatrical audience and uh, diversity with it within exhibit exhibitors and through audiences and they've come up with this uh kind of fake holiday a national Th cinema day and the other thing is labor day is usually a really bad weekend for the movies everyone's summer's over everyone's going back to school classes in session uh so it's a really slow time at the movie so it's it's a good time to do a promo and so they're going to be doing showing or reshowing uh, a lot of big movies from the summer they'll be there's a new, new cut of Spider-Man No Way Home, uh, Top Gun with, I think, some new footage or some behind the scenes, something or other. I saw, you know, things like Jaws, uh, Thor Love and Thunder. So they're bringing back the summer hits one last time, and they're giving you a $3 discount. Uh, and this, these are all the three big chains, Cinemark, AMC, Real Cinemas, all participating. And that's uh, going to be this Friday. 
I can't believe they got everybody on board. Uh, I I don't know how they managed to thread that needle. I guess it's a rising tide raises all ships kind of situation. It's uh, a win-win. But go ahead. It's a win-win. It's a win-win. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. Like it, it's a win-win for everybody involved. Historically, Labor Day weekend is traditionally very slow at the movies. Uh, fans of the show may remember that I used to work at an AMC way back in high school. And uh, yeah, Labor Day was always slow, which is weird. Like you'd think Labor Day would be a holiday, people be out and about, but I don't know. It never really uh, uh, pulled out. So I think this is a good thing for everybody. If anything, listen, they play their cards right. They could turn this into some, maybe not quite like a Black Friday, you know, situation where like it's just a nationally known holiday when everybody's like, oh my God, that's when all the sales happen and the crazy crowds are out. Like you, you keep doing this for a few years. You keep this going. Like Labor Day could come around as $3 movie day. Like that's, why not? That, that, that could happen. I'm down for $3 movie. They, they make all their money back at concession anyway. Uh, any other thoughts on this before we move on to the last one, Andy? Anything of that that you want to see or re-see uh, this weekend? It's mm, a good question. Top Gun, maybe. <laughs> I might so I might, might sneak in a, the screening of Jaws. I've never seen Jaws on the big screen. I wouldn't mind going to try to see Jaws. Uh, I'm going to be celebrating uh, my partner's cool birthday, though. Christine's birthday is over the weekend. so mm. I don't even know how I'm going to find time to, to watch two movies, but I'm going to figure it out because, you know, that's what we do here on Offscript. Two movies a week, every Tuesday. Subscribe today. Our last story this week, uh, Old Boy coming back to theaters for its 20th anniversary. Uh, new look, same great flavor. The original Park Chan classic is going to be back in theaters with a remastered version. I'm going to be honest, I'm excited. <laughs> oh my gosh. I, oh my gosh. Old Boy is one of my favorite films of all time, directed by uh, Park Chan Wook. Uh, who tells the story of, of revenge, gruesome revenge. This was back in the Asia extreme uh, cinema era of the early to mid 2000s. Very intense film, part of a trilogy known as the Vengeance Trilogy. This is the second film, and it. it's an anthology of, of revenge films. Uh, it's a classic. It's based on, it's a very loosely based on an old manga. There was a U.S. remake of it starring Josh Brolin, which was really bad. Don't ever watch it. Uh, but the original <laughs> is is an incredible film, incredible tale of revenge score. It's one of the, and I can't believe it's been 20 years, like because I remember so vividly when I saw this, like a uh, friend rented it on from Blockbuster, and we watched it. It just blew our little college minds. Uh, yeah. So I'm super excited to see it and to see it in 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 the in the cinema. Yeah, I, I don't know details on if this is actually like a 4K restoration, at least according to the Hollywood Reporter here. But like, I really hope it is, man. I, like, I, I know that movie needs I mean, some yeah. film grain to work, but like you crisp those lines up, blow it up on the big screen. I'm all about it. Happy to pay the price of admission. I'll even buy the popcorn. Uh, and with that, we should move into our fine, our first episode, first review of the episode. Good Lord. Uh, Andy's going to be taking the summary on this one. Very excited to talk about uh, this otherwise not well-known feature, uh, but I'm hoping Andy's going to have some good insight. Andy, please take it away. 3,000 years of longing. My name is Alethea. My story is true. So this is the follow-up from director George Miller after he did Mad Max Fury Road in 2015, seven years since that movie. Uh, and we've heard a lot about this, heard it's a, a little strange, it's a little out there, it definitely very different from something like Mad Max. Uh, 3,000 Years of Longing tells the story of Alethea, who is 
played by Tilda Swinton, who is a middle, middle-aged narratologist. She's an academic, very kind of content, uh, somewhat but somewhat lonely in, in her life. She goes to Istanbul for an academic conference, and while there, she picks up a magic bottle in a gift shop, r- rubs it when she gets home, and out comes the djinn or genie, uh, played by Idris Elba, who grants her three three wishes. But before she gets to wish, uh, we have a story. We have his story told uh, about how he he became trapped in the bottle, about how he fell in and out of love across the ages, and which all lead up to, of course, what choices will she make and what will uh, she wish for? It's a very it's a crazy story because you get all these flashbacks to ancient times and. Uh, Kind of crazy adventures and and productions, uh, and it's a story about stories. And there's a lot going on here. And it's it was a sixty million dollar. It's basically is a very expensive indie film. Um, and there's a lot to talk about. So that's our story, Zach. What did you think? So I didn't really know what to expect going into Three Thousand Years of Longing. Uh, if you've seen Mad Max Fury Road, if you've listened to the show for a long time, you know that like George Miller is a director of uh, bombastic interpretation, uh, who has a very wide, very scatterbrained filmography. Everything from Babe, Pig in the City, and Happy Feet to I mean Mad Max Fury Road, uh, and there's a couple others that I can't recall off the top of my head. But that's not the point. What the point is, I didn't know what to expect, and 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 I knew this little story starring Tilda Swinton and Idris Elba, two actors who were very talented but our a little, a little niche sometimes especially tell this one uh was gonna be weird and i knew it was gonna be winding and i knew from the trailer there's gonna be wild lighting and weird cgi and and a little bit of storytelling i thought you know what this will be good and, and while i didn't I, I don't think i came out of the theater maybe as as thumbs up about it as i thought i would be i really did like what i saw and i like that this movie got made i i it did not do great at the box office uh but we'll talk about that in a minute like i we need movies like this every once in a while we need we need to mix in weird something at like the mainstream multiplex which is exactly where this was uh i'm excited to talk about three thousand years of longing andy what do you think where do we get started i really like this movie it I just like that it was very original. This is based on a short story by A.S. Biot. Um, again, we, we are starved for original ideas in Hollywood. Or, or original ideas that actually get made um, because so, there's so much emphasis on superhero films and IP in general. Just That's kind of the only thing Hollywood wants to, to make uh, because it's safe and it's successful. So why not? Uh but I really liked a lot of things about that. I love the look. I love that you can tell a director is taking time with each shot, with his how he's decided to, you know, everything from the cast, the sets, the how he shoots it. It's like, oh, someone's actually at work here instead of just like, oh, let's get the action scene uh, shot. So it, that was really refreshing to me. And we have really good performances from our incredible leads. Tilda Swinton and, and Idris Elba. And again, it's it's a story uh, of stories. That's one of the, the interesting things that, that her character, Alethea, says at the beginning is that, uh, you know, we used gods and stories to explain everything we didn't know. And now we have science and we've kind of lost a lot of our stories and our, our, our narrative. And that's kind of what we get back through this um, crazy adventure through time. 
Yeah, uh, 3,000 Years of Longing is a, a visually distinct film. Uh, a lot of the film uh, takes place in a very like fancy little uh, hotel room, I think in France, uh, where, with, with some windows it's, and sunlight coming in. Yeah, it's by, it's by a little river walk. And everything's white and white white walls and, and you know white white carpet and uh, characters wearing uh, white bathrobes and they're sitting on like very, very, very simple, very basic visually. But when you get into like these tales as, as, as Idris Elba's Jin character like starts to kind of like explain his origins where he came from and this kind of wispy sands start to come across the screen before you know it like you're you're watching like a very colorful uh drastically lit <laughs> like weird story of times long ago before science and history right like uh, tales of the queen of sheba or or like the furthest reaches of the desert to, to uh to, like explain where the Jin comes from and how he came about. And what's cool is like 3000 years of longing takes a lot of time to comment on the very nature of telling stories. Like not only that the, these are stories of old and how things have changed since and, and how, how details are lost in the sands of time, but also like why it's important that stories are related to one another and how this story travels through 3000 years in a bottle to reach our lone scholar, uh, Tilda Swinton, who's got a couple tales of her own. And like, that's really unique. I, I think that the, the structure of it makes for a, a story that I didn't know where it was going to go. Like un, unexpected twists and turns in 3000 years of longing. And there's a bit more than what you see in just the trailers. If you're thinking like I did, that it's just two people hanging out in a hotel room talking to each other, the whole movie. It's not There's a bit more than that, uh, especially with a, a, a bit of a turn that I did not see coming at all. Uh, that really changes the dynamics of uh, some of the relationships in the film. Um, now, one thing I will I will say before I hand it off to Andy is I did I did find the pacing a little odd at, at that same step, like in this in the same way that it's got a unique structure. Uh, I didn't know where it was going next. It was hard to uh, stay, you know, stay in beat with three thousand years long for me. You didn't have this problem, right, Andy? You were you were I mean you no I I was with it the whole time because again I was excited because I didn't know where it was going and. Again, I was just just really engaged by a lot by the the visuals, like the these stories that take place in the past, like you know coming through ancient history. They have incredible sets, incredible costuming, incredible actors that they use to you know portray ancient Mesopotamia or like the 1600s. There, there's so much uh, just thought put in, into it. I remember one of the shots is of a, a room where a girl is more or less kept under lock and key, but it's all wood and she has all these decorations around as well to, to kind of keep her entertained. And I just remember thinking of like, that must have taken ages to to think, design, create. And that's what's so refreshing because we see so little of that um, in a lot of uh, today's movie. The, the structure, we learned early on that, that the genie, that the djinn has been trapped in a bottle three times before. Um, and so he kind of tells each story about how that happened. And through each kind of vignette, we get a, a different story. And it, they're, they're a little bit like fables. They're, they all are a little bit sad, a little bit tragic, and we're there to kind of learn from, from them. So we have these little in adventures uh, along the way as we get to kind of the the culmination of the film to to towards Alethea's three wishes 
this is not a cheap movie. Uh, we're at 3,000 years of long is estimated to cost about $60 million to shoot. Uh, and at the box office this week, it has not been doing great. Uh, it made about $2.7 million opening weekend, projected to be possibly the biggest bomb in <laughs> this year, which is a bummer uh, because this movie uniquely, like I don't think should have been projected to do well at all. Frankly, uh, George Miller probably should not have been given the money to do a <laughs> film of this size with this unique of a setup. I mean, you've got a title that's uniquely boring, 3000 years of longing. Uh, you have two, again, kind of niche actor, Tilda Swinton, much more so the last movie Andy and I saw Tilda Swinton was Moria, which was all kinds of wild, uh, but two kind of niche actors who are very talented, very particular, but maybe not as popular in widespread audiences. Uh, and you have a real wacky trailer, like from a director who hasn't done anything in seven years and is pretty old. George Miller's pretty old and a cinematographer who's come out of retirement for the second time to shoot this following Mad Max Fury Road when George Miller begged, uh, I think his name is John Seal to come out and shoot it. Uh, this movie should not have been projected to do great, but it is a victory lap for George Miller following Mad Max Fury Road. Yes, it's seven years later, but it's a bit of a one for you, one for me situation. George Miller is currently shooting Furiosa. So he's doing the studio picture <laughs> that the studio wants. They're going to make their money on George Miller. But this one is his like unique, weird thing that he's going to make. He's got almost a blank check to do it. $60 million. He says, by God, I'm going for it. The sets are so wild in this movie. The CGI is bananas. The lighting is crazy crazy the makeup is good the costuming solid and he's right tons of actors and extras all totally work a lot of them otherwise unknowns who are really well put together great makeup great design i really like the presentation of this feature like it's it's something different and i it would not have had the same weight if it came to streaming i'm glad it came to theaters but yeah it, it's definitely a <laughs> it's definitely a box office bust Right, like I said, there's a concept in Hollywood of one for them, one one for us. So you you do something the studio wants that it's going to be commercially successful, and then maybe you get to do a, a passion project. Um, a similar director was last week. We talked about Kenneth Branagh. Belfast is definitely a passion project of his, and that's kind of an answer to him directing something like Death on the Nile um, or Thor, uh, the, the Dark World. So he's done the big budget things and that allows, you know, sometimes they get money to do smaller passion projects. Um, you usually don't get $60 million, but when you're George Miller and you, um, you know, you, you made a billion dollar property and you're working on another billion dollar property, um, you know, you you might just get 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 that uh, kind of leeway that other people wouldn't. I do want to throw a bit of a hail mary at my criticism that it's uh, you know I, I I suffers from pacing. I'll tell you why that is. It's really particular and it doesn't hold up for the whole feature. Andy was quick to point this out when I told him about it earlier. Uh, a lot of the scenes of our two characters, like in the hotel room, exchanging ideas, like in the modern setting, they're a bit dry because there's not a lot of music. They're, they're re and they're really slowly directed compared to some of the other much more bombastic scenes that you're going to get in the feature that are cut in between. So often when you get back to that room, it just feels felt a little slow. Th those are the times when I thought this is when I would check my watch. Never did. Uh, you know, I was in the theater. We don't we don't we don't check our phones in theaters. Uh, but I I do think like looking back, I I'm not gonna feel like this was a bad George Miller feature, especially due to its runtime. It does. It's not 3000 years long. It's an hour 48. That's pretty good. <laughs> I could, I could plan my day around going to see this thing. It wasn't just like, well, I'm going to do that. And then I'm coming home and going to bed. 
uh, it's good. Like it, it's short. It's punchy. It spends the money where it needs to spend the money. And and while it doesn't, you know, I don't think it's going to do it for everybody. It's it's definitely a good intro to you know something like bold cinema. It's different. It's gonna, it's going to make you feel a little different, and that that's important, I think. Yeah, it, it it's a nice little movie. It it's not some grand thing. Like I, it might get some Oscar nominations for like set design and and things like that. Um, the Oscars don't reward films that don't do well, so it's probably going to get a little bit of a snub. But it's definitely something that sticks out to me and and something to remember. And I really like the store, the score, which is by none other than Tom Hokenborg, which, who is Junkie XL. Oh, I who, didn't know that. Who who has worked? Of course, he famously did the score for Mad Max and uh, Justice League, and works with uh, George Miller a lot, and is um, fantastic uh, composer. I know he doesn't just work with George Miller, but it reminds me of like Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross breaking into film with David Fincher uh, on The Social Network. Um, formerly, you know, Nine Inch Nails is where you would know them from. But rather than saying, yeah, score by Nine Inch Nails, like it's a bit of a lean and like something more personal. And like, I can appreciate that mm-hmm. Tom is uh, willing to step into the genre in a new way. Uh, any other thoughts on this one, Andy? I don't want to give too much away. I think the less you know, the better going into 3000 yeah. Years of Longing. <laughs> Yeah, no, exactly. I, I I agree. There's not too much uh, to say because you don't you don't want to give it away. No. Well, uh, with that being said, Andy, would you recommend Three Thousand Years of Longing? I would for uh, fans of, of bold cinema. It's definitely a an in, a unique original film which we don't get a lot of by a, a great director and an auteur of the medium. Uh, and it's not too long. It's only about a hundred minutes. It's not overly long, which is which is nice. And it, you know, it's a story of stories, uh, which I really enjoyed. We have good performances, great score. Uh, if you're not really, if you're not sold on it a hundred percent, I would say uh, save it for streaming. Uh, if you're not a big fan, but but if you are and you're feeling bold, I, I would definitely recommend. I don't want to say that you should save this one for streaming. I think people should go support it in theaters. So if you're interested, go see it. But that being said, I think it might be more accessible on streaming. It's an easier sell to maybe friends. Hey, let's watch this movie over here real quick, you know, rather than dragging them to the theater. 3000 Years of Longing definitely has some uh, niche appeal. And it might be tough to convince folks around you to watch it. It might even be tough for you to decide that you want to watch it. But it's a quick burn. And and I, I think it's... I think it is a solid feature, uh, albeit fairly different from Mad Max Fury Road and from the director of Mad Max Fury Road. I'm excited to watch Furiosa. I don't think this is a misstep. I see this as a good step in George Miller's career. I think 3,000 Years of Longing is worth your time. Andy, I think it's going to be a short show this week. On top of short news, uh, we don't have a lot of trailers to talk about <laughs> That's right. for our next segment. Uh, do you mind introducing us? Sure thing. It's time for the trailer park. So we're going to be talking about Weird, the Al Yankovic story, uh, which is the the, yeah. Yeah, the Weird Al biopic. Um, so, but the funny thing about this is uh, it's essentially a parody itself. Like, it's not really his life. Um, it's a parody of his life. It's a parody of biopics in general, Uh for those who don't know, and I don't know who doesn't, but Weird Al Yankovic, of course, ascended to fame by doing parodies of popular song and has been doing this since the mid-80s really successfully, and he's become a household name, an institution. A lot of artists say, if you, you've you made it when Weird Al does a cover 
of your song. Uh, so we saw the kind of the full trailer come out this week. It's a lot of fun. And again, it's a parody. There, there's this whole story arc of, you know, him and Madonna have this hot and wild affair. And it's like that obviously didn't happen in his life, but they're, they're having fun with the medium and the genre. And it looks like we're going to get some new music, some original songs uh, with uh, Weird Al doing, doing the vocals uh, for that. And this will uniquely be on the Roku channel, which is free and which is available on all devices. You don't have to have a Roku television or, or device. You can just uh, download the app and that's going to be coming out on November 4th. Zach, what did you think of this trailer? So I remember like seeing stuff about the Weird Al movie and thinking, I don't know what that is going to be exactly. Uh, it would seem like it would just be a, a typical music biopic, right? Like it would just be Weird Al's life. He's done a lot. He's 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 not he's not quite a household name, but I think a lot. Of, I mean, if you walk down the street in in, in Americana USA and ask a hundred people if they know who Weird Al Yankovic is, a few are going to say, yeah, like yeah, sure. Um, I remember when I was a kid listening to like old cassette tapes of Weird Al albums, which is ridiculous. The guy's been around forever. And what's interesting is you got to walk this line between like his contributions to copyright law, parody, and and functionally like the idea of a, a goofy riff on a song that could be released to the public, uh, which is a big deal looking at the age of, of like TikTok and videos now and people creating music. Like a lot of that was possible from artists who were inspired by people like Weird Al and as well as himself. But you have to walk the line between that and his contributions to music and also like his incredibly dry life. Like the dude was like a clean Christian. <laughs> <laughs> he could play accordion and went to polka things. That's kind of the bit. There's some interesting stuff with UHF, like, and how he got into doing that. That was very visual. That's another film maybe we'll watch before this. Uh, you know, and, and what he's done in his music. But ultimately, like, Weird Al's life is not that wild. This trailer chooses to walk both lines by creating what is a parody of a music biopic and also Weird Al's life with the music that made it work by having Weird Al sing it himself. I think it's smart. Like I, I really do like, cause it would have been boring. I think it would have been a little boring watching like the generic Weird Al movie. Like he, he could have been dramatic. I guess you could have really leaned in, but it wouldn't have felt on brand. This manages to do both. You got Daniel Radcliffe as the man himself, Evan Rachel Wood playing Madonna. It's <laughs> a wild girlfriend who gets him into drugs and booze before his redemption arc like i love it I, I think it's smart i'm excited to watch it i'm glad it's coming out for free i don't mean to talk all the way through it what do you think andy i mean any any hot takes on this thing i, I mean i'm looking forward to it it looks fun it, it's it's perfect for streaming because this probably wouldn't do super well in in theaters or it, it would need to be way more bigger and over the top um but it's perfect for streaming uh daniel radcliffe doesn't really look like weird. He looks like Daniel Radcliffe in a wig. He doesn't really sell the part, but be, I think that helps because you're not. It's it's a parody. If you were actually doing the real life biopic, I think you would you would need to get an actor who kind of fits it more, and they would probably need to learn to sing like Weird Al. Maybe we'll get one in like twenty thirty years. Yeah, I, uh, I think a lot of this uh, comes from the Funny or Die sketch with Aaron Paul, where they kind of did this in like two thousand four or twenty fourteen. Oh. I can't remember. Um, they kind of had like one scene where he played Weird Al and they did, they did like a trailer. They were like the weird, weird <laughs> story. And then it's turned into like a full thing. It sounds silly. You may think what what's a small sketch turning into a big feature, but like, you know, 
Ted Lasso on H on Apple TV came from an NBC sports ad where Jason Sudeikis played a goofy coach. Like anything's possible, I guess. Why couldn't this be great? Why couldn't it be weird? Yeah, I like I said, I'm looking forward to it. It's a lot of fun, and that'll be out out on the Roku channel on November fourth. Yeah. And it'll be on the Roku channel on November 4th. I really hope I'm not I'm sure I have to give them my email or something. But like, I have, I maybe Roku will just lean all the way in and be like, just watch for free. Just come look at our stuff. I mean, right, Roku is a huge account. install base anyway. There's going to be a ton of people that can watch this on their smart devices. Like, there are a ton of people that have Roku. It's going to be, you and I are going to have trouble finding it. Because we don't already have a Roku stick in our houses. And with that, we should move on to our final film of the episode. Uh, not a Roku feature, but an Amazon Prime feature from uh, Balboa Pictures, Balboa Productions, uh, Sylvester Stallone's own studio. Uh, this is a smaller feature that I hadn't really heard about till recently, and and Andy mentioned it and thought, maybe this will work for the show. We didn't really have anything to go get into this week because 3,000 Years was the only big release. Uh, we thought, why not go for it? The movie is Samaritan. Wait up, wait up. What do you do with all this junk? Keep me busy. Also, a quick note, I promised I'd say it. I did watch this with my cool in-laws, so thanks for watching this with me, gang. Uh, anyway, Samaritan is the story of a young boy named Sam Cleary who lives in the projects in uh, a fictional city, I think it is, and uh, Granite City is the name of it, uh, where superheroes used to run free, or... or at least a couple, uh, namely Samaritan uh, was the big one we're thinking about. Uh, a, a, a super Superman-like superhero with super strength and couldn't really be killed, and he was just tough, and he always did the right thing for the right guy. Uh, and an evil villain, Nemesis, who had very similar powers uh, and obviously fought across Samaritan for different reasons. After a big battle 20 years ago, uh, Samaritan and Nemesis vanished into the night. And nobody ever heard from them again. They died in an explosion. Everybody said at the power plant, Granite City. But turns out uh, Sam Cleary has been looking for Samaritan or somebody he thinks might be Samaritan because he, he believes in the hero and he wants to come back and he draws him in his notebook every day. Sam's like 13. That's an important, important detail. And uh, one day he discovers that an odd neighbor lives across the way, a uh, garbage man who looks suspiciously like Sylvester Stallone <laughs> might just be the guy. Uh, the movie is Samaritan on Amazon prime. It is like 90 minutes, hour 42. Uh, it's, it's a pretty quick burn. Andy, What'd you think? So the there's this movie isn't good, but there's are some redeeming qualities. <laughs> it's, um, Just tell it like it is, man. Yeah, don't it's, sugarcoat it's it. It's very well. I think it, its biggest issue is that it's just so generic. It's very paint by number. It feels like a '90s action movie. Uh, you have the, this, you know, kind of nameless bad guy that's the head of like crime and gangs, and and, and it's just like that's what they used to write all the time in the '90s, and we know so much more about like where, where crime comes from. It doesn't really make a lot of sense, but it's just full of, full of tropes. It's like, oh, the the hero that's that's hidden away from everyone that's ret- retired, basically down and out uh, kid in in a bad situation. Uh, and, and it's just it's kind of the dialogue is kind of cringeworthy. It does ha- it does have some decent action sequences. You can tell that's where the money went. Uh, it's like. A lot of Netflix movies that they they spend money on the star and the and the and the production and not on the script, and this is kind of what we have here. Sylvester Stallone, we got a big name attached to it, 
and we do ha have a lot of action uh, sequences that were probably expensive, but it's just, it's, it's, it's super cliche. It hits every like superhero uh, cliche that, that you've come, become familiar with the last 20 years. The performances are fine, but they just don't have a, a whole lot uh, to, to work with. Um, so th that, that's where we'll start. What do you, what are you thinking? <laughs> So, uh, Samaritan is, is a hope, it's a hopeful kind of project, I think, for superhero, for superhero fans or fans of the genre. Um, cause you've got an older star starring as an older hero who's past their prime and is maybe coming back for one more kind of something, right? To help one more kid or, or say, say, win one more day for the city. Uh, you hope it's going to be something like a death of Superman story or better yet, like James Mangold's Logan, which is a, a lofty, a lofty ask for Samaritan. But then again, Logan was like a total outlier when it came out. Anyway, there are not a lot of old superhero movies. There's old Westerns about old heroes, like unforgiven. Maybe it'd be something like that, right? Like the idea of this older superhero with a redemption story, like who's going to come back and do the right thing, even though they've been gone all this time. Uh, on the other hand, since it's a spinoff and you can tell just looking at the marketing, like it's not, you know, it's not any main care. It's not any real characters. These are just kind of like fictional stand-ins for superheroes. You hope it'll be something like Amazon Prime's The Boys, like, which is one, a super good spinoff show of the idea of superheroes, specifically with their like depiction of what would be a Justice League style team, Homelander standing in for Superman. Great show. I know we don't do shows here on off script, but worth the time. Uh, this movie manages to miss both of those marks. It's it's not Logan or the boys. <laughs> and that's that's really a bummer because if you had made it like a particularly but it steals interesting from them, <laughs> yes, right. If you had made it a particularly interesting, albeit false, uh, superhero world, then you'd have like some rich teeming environments for our characters to play in. You don't. Granite City had like two two people superpowers and that's it there's not like a justice league there's no like investigative investigation of superheroes none of that's a real thing like so the world is super flat and gray and drab and it's always raining and additionally like you don't get any of the drama of something like logan like you don't get sliced alone getting to really stand up and do something different instead he's covered in like layers he wears this big puffy jacket and a hat and he's got he's facial hair on right just to hide the fact that he's like 78 i don't know i should look up how old he actually is i don't want to say he's just 78 and be wrong but uh so so sly stallone's not doing good acting and the world of the superheroes isn't any good what are we looking out for? There is a unique performance, kind of, in its villain. I, I don't remember his name, but he plays Euron Greyjoy on the old Game of Thrones. Cyrus, uh, Cyrus. Uh, yeah, I can't, I can't pronounce his name. I, I, it's, I apologize. I don't want to try to butcher it, but uh, he's pretty good in this movie as this kind of skinhead uh, uh, villain character who terrorizes our lead. Uh, but I suppose that's a good segue into performances. Andy, any hot takes? Right. Again, our performances are okay. They they are working with bad writing, so they can only do so much. Um the the villain uh Cyrus, Cyrus um is just again, he's he's a 90s ga gangster villain. Oh, the so and so is the leader of the this and that gang taking over and and his his like big like what is his motivation which is always a difficult thing for for villains it's just like he wants to throw the city into chaos there's something about we're going to shut down the power station and everything's going to you know shut down and there's going to be riots and looting and 
everything like that. Like it's right. not su- super clear. But Throw the city into chaos. Yeah, there is this because uh, there's always kind of a, a weapon. There's like an item and a lot of these uh, kinds of stories. And there is this hammer that uh, apparently Nemesis, uh, the the bad guy who who died, wielded. And the, and one of the, the plot points is them finding this hammer to uh, you know help take take over the city. Uh, again, it's just weak. Uh, Stallone has has a couple of moments. He he definitely gets a "I am the law" uh, moment uh, <laughs> kind of towards yeah. the end. Uh, the the kid is uh he's fine again his just his his lines are just it's so generic he's like a thirteen year old gangster yeah and it's just like well what in the nineteen ninety two is this like <laughs> uh it's it is it yeah I think these are fine actors are just not given good things because yeah it would be really interesting to do like a Logan style like old grizzled. Yeah, mad at the world, cynical, you know, and and have them and do this trope that which is like you know, grizzled grizzled man becomes a parent, <laughs> which yes. we see every, everywhere. Yeah, it, so it borrows from a lot of this stuff. It just executes it really poorly. Yes, and it's it's a real shame because yeah, like it, it could have been a bit more than that, especially with a short runtime. Hour forty two is really appealing, and it gets on Amazon Prime, and it's like number one in the U.S. and like it's it's the front banner. We uh, when we were watching this, we ordered uh, delivery, and the delivery guy like from across the living room in the hallway at the, at the front door was like, "Oh hey, you guys watching that movie on Amazon Prime?" <laughs> like anybody could see this like people this this made waves at least in some capacity and like it bums me out that it doesn't bother to like reach further especially considering its stars like stallone is kind of the 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 big game here it is it is a balboa picture like this is from his studio like this is this is this is a stallone stallone vehicle he's 76 by the way i looked it up 76. 76 years old and like he just doesn't really get any kind of real opportunity to shine and the people around him are fine uh, uh javon javon walton is sam cleary the, our, our child star he's fine i i think if he had give that kid like slow him down a little bit uh and and give him like a, he's a so, good indie he's so annoying he's yeah so annoying. i i think he'd be fine because he's got some charisma like he's not that bad but like it's just he gets a lot of lines in this movie and he really goes yeah. for it and he comes off as obnoxious it's just, villains well, it's, all right again it's it's the writing it's just the writing. yeah he'd be fine and it's it, got this Go ahead. This would work if if they tried to establish this kind of father son bond of son store, but the, like he's so obsessed with just like you're Samaritan, aren't you? Aren't you Samaritan? What happened to your brother? Samaritan? You, you must say the word Samaritan a thousand times. Yes. Uh, it, it was funny when we were watching this. Uh, one of one of my uh, one one of my aud- fellow audience members in the living room pointed out like there's lots of graffiti of of these two characters' logos, Samaritan and Nemesis. They have their own logos uh, all over the city. There's characters with tattoos, and they uh, wonderful audience member said, "Hey." Uh, wasn't this like didn't 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 these characters go away like twenty five years ago at this point in the movie? Why do they have so much cultural value? And it's because like, because the world doesn't make sense. Like because nobody thought about this when they were writing the film. Like it doesn't. I don't know. Like and a lot of it's like After Effects. They'd like stick a logo in the background of a frame, you know, or like oh yeah, there's some graffiti on the wall, and it's just kind of like CGI'd in there. They, the 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 effects are okay. 
throughout parts of the movie, but there's definitely some like fire in the background towards the end. There's one rooftop scene in particular where like it's, it's, it's not great, man. It's, it's just enough to be passable. It's like, it's, they knew they were making a, a made for streaming feature. It's like somebody, it's like a director making a made for TV film in the eighties, you know, like chain smoking cigarettes, like, ah, shut up kid. You know, like <laughs> get back on set, <laughs> shooting shoot the damn movie, doing everything in two takes, not, not overthinking it. Yeah. Um, and that's a shame, like, because it, it, it should have been a bit more. Yeah, there's potential here with, I mean, with most superhero stories, you can, there's so many ways you can tell the genre. And superhero stories, in a lot of ways, are reinventions of, of things like westerns. And that's kind of what this is. You mentioned Unforgiven. This is, yeah. the, you know, the return of the, the old gunslinger. Uh, and it just it, it kind of it wastes the potential on um, unfortunately action scenes which take way too long to get to and just it's just full of so many tropes and, and cliches and it's like you you really could have done something here with the these characters and and the, this conflict and it's just but uh you know you did it fast and cheap and it shows yeah it really does there there's there's segments of this you could take and and give to like a, a talented like student film director and they would turn out 14 minutes that were like so much more interesting and engaging than what this is like this, you know, this, this rundown city where these people live in the slums were constantly raining and dark and dingy. And you've got this odd character who's a, a garbage man and a bit of a fixer. He's got a hobby, likes to, likes to kind of tweak, you know, fix gadgets and stuff. You could do something with that. Yeah. And, and like it totally doesn't come across on the screen. I, I think it just did not come off the page the way it should have. And and I'm, you know, I'm bummed. Uh, director Julius Avery, who put this feature together, uh, formerly did Overlord in 2018 and then Son of a Gun in 2014. That was a Ewan McGregor feature that didn't do very well. Uh, it's a bummer. They haven't done anything in a little while. I thought maybe this would be kind of a bigger something, um, but it, it just... I don't know. I, I don't, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know why that is. It, something did yeah. not it's work just, in production here. It just did not come yeah. together. The, the writing is just so bad. And I was thinking about this. This is a good example. So Samaritan likes to... Uh, but by the way, his name is like Joe Smith. Like you couldn't <laughs> even come up with a de- decent superhero name. Um <laughs> He uh he he likes to fix things. That is one of the things he like. You know he'll go digging through a dumpster and grab a toaster or a watch and stuff. And the, the whole thing there's just as ridiculous. Like you can fix everything, but can you fix yourself? Like right. it's just like uh, my eyes nearly burst out of the back of my skull from rolling so hard. Like come it's like come on. Who wrote this? They must have written it in a weekend. Yeah, like it's it's real. Yeah, and this kind of clumsy lesson of like you know you'll have to decide what to do someday, kid. Keep eating your Wheaties, you know. Like chip <laughs> off the old block. Like just okay. Like kind of an eye rolling feature. I, I I don't. Any I got twenty recommendations? minutes. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the funny thing is, I got twenty minutes into this and immediately texted Zach, and I was like, "We can't watch this. We have to skip it." <laughs> We can't watch we this dribble. Stop. It's terrible. Yeah. I tell you, we've done enough episodes of the show. We can we can pick them pretty fast. Like usually not always. Some like some sometimes one sneaks by us, but it's a sl- it's it's a slow month at the movies, man. And uh We told you, we told you it was gonna be slow. It's true. We do how we said for weeks it was gonna be slow. Yeah, and, and sometimes that gives us the opportunity for something a little different, something a little fun. And this, you know. This 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 week we got three thousand years along in Samaritan. Both different, not necessarily both fun. Any other uh, thoughts for recommendations, Andy? I think I'm ready. Andy, would you recommend Samaritan? 
Absolutely not. Hard pass. The hardest of passes. This might. This, <laughs> is this worst of the year material? Possibly. It's, maybe, maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe it's for just, you. It's, I. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> it's not uh no it's it's just so cliche so paint by number a bunch of superhero tropes and action tropes that are have been done to death and and it just feels very out of its again it feels like a movie from the 90s um just really bad writing and plot uh but actually the the characters are fine like the cast is fine they do well with what they're given which just unfortunately is very much and there are some decent accents action scene so you might start it halfway through and 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 kind, kind of see that um but uh it's bad i would hard pass hard pass yeah i i agree don't don't watch samaritan uh i i think it'll be off the prime video homepage in a couple of weeks it'll slowly slip back and then you'll probably never see it again uh this is this this is the kind of movie that like streaming services i wish it's funny uh, I wish streaming services didn't run movies like this because it seems like something that's going to be really quality and it comes out and it's not. Alternatively, I wish more theaters ran movies like 3,000 Years of Longing, a movie that probably doesn't seem like it's going to be very good, but is different and unique. So I, I, in short, I wish streaming services would make smarter decisions and theaters would continue to make poor ones for my entertainment. <laughs> uh, I, I wish Samaritan like was a bit bigger than it is. I, I wish there was something here I'd say, yeah, it's different, but it's good. You could go back and watch it with friends. Maybe your parents will like it. But like now, man, now I, I nobody I watched it with seemed to really enjoy it it's not just me on yeah. this one I, I got to watch with an audience they did not like samaritan like neither I, did I. like i i put this on while i was like doing chores around the house yeah while i was like you know doing anything else but sitting and watching the movie right it's like a visual screensaver just and just making sure i look up every now and then yeah well that more or less wraps up our review on Sam- samaritan coming this week uh we're actually going to be t- going on break taking a break uh, from the show again it's a long labor day weekend be sure to go out on friday and get your three dollar tickets we will be back the following week the week of september 13th or so uh 13th right uh, on the on the 9th is uh barbarian which is the new horror feature about the girl who goes to an airbnb that's uh already occupied and uh looks to be a house that's not what it seems uh starring justin long and one of the Skarsgårds, Alexander Skarsgård, Bill Skarsgård, I think. Um, there's so many of them. So we'll be back w- with that on, that comes out on September 9th, exclusively in theaters. And then we will also pick something from the streaming realm. We don't know what's coming out yet. Uh, we'll have plenty of time to see what's coming out on, in September. There'll probably be something that we'll catch on streaming as well. I'm going to tell you, after a movie like Samaritan, I'm almost looking forward to the week off because, like, I can only do so many of these things just being complete, complete, hate complete bores. Hate yeah. <laughs> uh, and also next weekend is uh, Christine's birthday, so I get to celebrate that. Don't have to worry about going to the movies. Excited for the break. Excited to come back on the 9th with Barbarian. Heard good things about the one, that one. I think it might be a sleeper. I thought Samaritan might be a sleeper, but at least Barbarian's actually coming out in theaters. So hopefully it's good stuff. Uh, I, I, we should probably try to find like an opening night screening. I don't know if you want to try to sneak in yeah, one of those, maybe. but may, maybe. See, see if we can see no, that, That's, that would be yeah. fun. I think that would be maybe the ideal way to see whatever's going on in that movie because the, the, the trailer's pretty uh, 
nondescript. Uh, if you liked what we did here today, if you like what we're doing here at Offscript, you want to hear more about what's coming to theaters, $3 movies, and everything in between, uh, give us a follow if you can swing it. Subscribe on your favorite platform, iTunes, Google, Spotify, iHeartMedia. You can follow us over on there. You can throw us a heart, a like, whatever you got. We'd appreciate it. We live stream our show every, every uh, oh God, every Tuesday. I almost lost it on Facebook.com. We upload our live streams to YouTube. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. We're around. You can comment. You can follow. Whatever we're doing. Just, uh, you know, get through shows, show us a little support if you like what we're doing here. We really would appreciate it. Also, leave us a rating and review if you could swing it. I realize this is starting to sound like movie credits, so I'll wrap it there. But... You can leave us an email at mail at offscriptfilmreview.com. You can visit our website, offscriptfilmreview.com. All right. Yes, I think that's it. From all of us at Offscript, the home of Bold Cinema, I'm Zach Lewis. And I'm Dr. Draper. Thanks for watching.